Darkcast Network. Out of the shadows comes the best of indie podcasts. Welcome, and thank you for joining tonight's show. My name is DJ, and this is the Mythical True Crime Podcast. I started this podcast because I'm a huge fan of true crime shows, but I also love supernatural stories. When those things combine, that is something I feel is truly special. I'm a skeptic with an open mind and generally lean towards fact rather than fiction, but sometimes there are things that we just cannot explain, and that's where these cases come in. Today I'm starting off with a cold case from California. It involves a 16-year-old girl, a 43-year-old man, and Sasquatch. This is the story of Teresa Ann Beer. All the information I'll be going over today, I have found on various websites, which will be annotated in the show notes below. There you'll also find a link to my Patreon and all my social media accounts. Okay, and we'll start off with uh, learning a little bit about her history. Um, I feel it's pretty important to understand, uh, especially with all the craziness that's going to be going on uh, later on in this story. So her parents are David and Shirley. Uh, Teresa has two older sisters, Yolanda and Vicky. Now, David is serving in Vietnam, and Shirley is a teenage mother um, to Yolanda. Uh, putting it lightly, she's not a very good mother at all. Uh, so David's grandmother, Mary, takes uh, Yolanda, takes care of her. Uh, when David returns from Vietnam, he and Shirley attempt to raise Yolanda uh, again, to no success. In fact, David asks uh, Mary to watch Yolanda again uh, for reasons that he would say, quote, the way Shirley treated her. Not learning from that, David and Shirley went on to have Vicky and Teresa later on. Shirley allegedly physically abused both children severely. She once broke Teresa's ribs, uh, and then when she was three... Teresa. Uh, she was admitted to the hospital with a broken leg, leaving a horrible scar which is still visible to the day she disappeared. Child Protective Services were later called and the kids were taken. Uh, Mary, who was in her 70s at that time, felt that she couldn't take the children. Um, an unnamed friend from church raised the children for several years. David entered the girls' lives once again uh, when they were teenagers with a new wife in tow named Margie. Now, Margie was known to the girls. Uh, she was Shirley's, their mother, her brother, John's ex-wife. So David married Margie, who was their aunt, so Aunt Mama. Uh, courts gave custody to David. However, David was still not fit. He would argue with his new wife nightly. Uh, this information was provided by Yolanda, who had visited uh, several times, um, and she went on to tell Mary, who uh, brought Teresa over and reportedly said that she was malnourished. Teresa never was properly taken care of. Then at this time, John, her uncle, asks for custody, which he ends up getting. Uh, John has two sons, uh, which are younger than Teresa, and a 17-year-old wife named Tammy, who is a prostitute. Teresa used to clean and cook and babysit the boys when Tammy was out turning tricks. Teresa called Mary multiple times, reporting that John was molesting her. 
Later, it was reported by Tammy that John would sell Teresa to his friends. All this information is, is terrible to hear, that such a young girl had to have such a horrible childhood that wasn't stable, wasn't nurturing, and dealing with physical and sexual abuse by family members. June 1st, 1987, a man named Skip comes to the apartment to take Teresa to school. But Skip's real name is Russell Welch, and he's 43 years old. If that's not the most disturbing part, you know, the part where a grown man comes and randomly asks to take your 16-year-old child to school. But John agrees with this and allows it to happen. Later that day, Teresa's school calls John to report that she wasn't present. John then lies to the school and says that she's homesick. Father of the year, or terrible human being, leave your comment. It isn't until about 9.30 that night that John reports Teresa missing. He told police that he was going to track Skip down and find out what happened to her, but too much time had passed, so he reported her missing. Police start to dig into Skip's background as he's reportedly with her, uh, and that's where they learn that he's a self-described mountain man, and for reasons that he took her out in the woods was actually to look for the legendary Bigfoot himself. Now, Skip did know how to track, and he knew the mountains and terrain very well. Saying he was obsessed with Bigfoot was actually going to be putting it mildly. He claimed to have not only seen Bigfoot several times, but he's been in contact with a tribe of Bigfoot that lived in the upper mountain area. He even made failed attempts multiple times to the local university to prove Bigfoot's existence, such as sending photographs and other evidence, which they every single time ruled altered or faked. He even claimed to have found bones and other evidence, uh, but nothing was ever proven. Now, Skip was married, but she had died of a drug overdose about a year prior. Uh, he himself was possibly addicted to meth. Now, a little bit about his history. He does have history with taking young women out into those woods. In fact, in the summer of 1986, he took another girl, 16 years old, Michelle Ryan, up to the same area that he said to have taken Teresa. She was warned not to go, but was very curious, and I mean, what 16-year-old wouldn't be curious to hear about Bigfoot? But because she was warned, she took two male friends with her. Uh, both were in their 30s, Sam and Corky. <laughs> All traveled to the mountains, which takes hours. And this entire time in this remote area, Skip is telling them stories, regaling them in fantasy of Bigfoot, these supernatural creatures that live in the woods and the like. Skip takes him to an area he calls the Ghost Canyon. Now, he was also reportedly taking meth the entire way up, and Michelle suspects that she was given drugs as well. Now, these supernatural creatures that Skip was explaining in the woods uh, after they had the camp set up, that they were able to communicate with him telepathically. He also said that there were several devil gods in the area. Bigfoot worships women, various other stories. Uh, at this point, Sam and Corky kind of want to call it a night, so they end up going to sleep, uh, which then Michelle reports that she was attacked by a devil creature in the middle of the night, and stirring up the rest of the campers, she runs from the camp and literally almost runs off a cliff. Now, Sam grabs her before she falls, 
Um, the police then interviewed Skip's family uh, to find out a little bit more about him after hearing that story. Uh, daughter says that she uh, has witnessed and knows that her father has issues with drugging and sexually abusing young girls. Police then learn that he does have a drug habit. After collecting all of this information, five days have passed. So June 6, 1987, while looking out for Skip, Skip's car is found at the home of Dorothy Davis, who, uh, upon reporting, she said that he was extremely distressed when he showed up to the house and also under the influence. Uh, he told her that there was a girl uh, that was taken by a satanic cult up in the mountains. Police at this point had heard enough and they wanted to talk to this Skip. So uh, they did investigate into his background and did find a few warrants for his arrest and they used that to bring him in, several DUI warrants. Uh, after they begin questioning him about Teresa, he begins to tell them that uh, he did know her and that he took her to school and then just dropped her off. And that was it. Didn't see her again. Uh, he goes off by the mouth. He's an extreme motor mouth. He does not stop talking. And all he's talking now about is Bigfoot, spirits, rambling on and on. Getting him to focus, Skip then says that Teresa was running away from him in the woods. He supposes uh, that these supernatural beings distracted him. And then when uh, she was lost in the woods, he continued to look for her. And then came to the realization that, well... I can't find her. She must not want to be found. You know, rather live with these supernatural entities in their perfect utopian society, away from the horrible reality that she would have had to gone back to whether she went back home. And uh, that she was safe there with Bigfoot, who would protect her, because that's what happens. Detective said there, during this interview with Skip that he would go off on these, these tangents and just not produce anything and make small changes to his original stories, typically distancing himself from being responsible for her disappearance and trying to come off as an informant, basically telling police, hey, I didn't do any of this. Let me just, let me help you find out who did. One of the interviewing detectives quoted saying, he got this stare in his eyes and almost became a different person when he talked about Bigfoot. Skip goes back to his story saying that he took Teresa to school and then at the school, he met an unknown girl with blonde hair. Teresa tells Skip that this girl is a friend and would want to help her hide out, implying that this is all Teresa's idea and not his. He said that he then stayed in town and didn't leave the city. However, police pressured him in saying that his car was seen uh, in that area of the woods. And then Skip changes his story. He says that he was up there, but he would never take a girl because, well, th there's too many dangers. Detectives point out that Skip's children seen Teresa with him on the way to the mountains with Teresa. Said that they were going to go look for Bigfoot. Skip's story changes again. This time, he says, well, while he was up there, Teresa and another young woman ran off into the woods together and were hiding from him. At this point, detectives had enough. They said that if you were such a reported mountain man, then how is it possible for two people to go hidden away in these woods from you? Skip's demeanor changes. And his quote says it all. All the truth, bigger than life, 
He then continues a fantastic tale about while he was up in the mountains that Teresa was seduced by these supernatural beings and then decided to run off with them. He's also said that he was there with another young woman with blonde hair about the same age as Teresa. Bigfoot presided over the encounter and goes on to say that he knows that she'll be safe and taken care of, but she'll never be seen again because of it. Teresa's choice to stay, basically. Detectives suspect at this point that being in custody for so many days without any drugs in his system, Skip is suffering from what's known as meth psychosis, which includes obsessive behavior, hallucinations, delusions, with a tendency towards violent behavior. Police are, at this point, are losing hope that Skip has any credible evidence for them. However, Skip does agree to take them to the campsite that he and Teresa had been staying at. So the next morning, the authorities and Skip head up to the mountain together, which takes hours. Now, you must understand that in order to get to this area, there's no road. At a certain point, it just goes off onto some trails, and then it's hiking pretty much the rest of the way. Now, Skip is talking this entire time in this very secluded rough terrain only about Bigfoot. He's trying to convince them maybe it's some sort of coping mechanism or something of habit to where he keeps talking about Bigfoot. Uh, but eventually they do end up getting to the campsite. But something is definitely off. Uh, there's a campfire in the center where they were all camped around. Uh, but it's still smoldering. Now, this is a week without anyone else being there. Uh, this is taking place on June 7th, 1987. Uh, they did search the area. They did find a purse, a camera, as well as female clothing, such as panties and bras, in the woods. Uh, inside the purse, there are Polaroid photographs, which contain an unknown blonde female and pictures of Teresa herself. Now, when the inspectors were looking at the photos, they, right off the bat, could tell that this was not the right campsite. Uh, they made, somebody made great lengths to make this campsite match those photos. However, the terrain, nothing in the background matched at all. Uh, it was definitely staged. So investigators uh, who did recognize actually some of the terrain in those photos were able to locate the spot that where these were taken was over 20 miles away. Both sites were heavily searched with multiple crews working and helicopters and new technology at the time, uh, which turned up nothing. Skip, at this point now, is officially charged with uh, felony child stealing or abduction, and authorities believe that there has probably definitely been foul play involved in the mis disappearance of Teresa. And Skip is just not cooperating. However, there's no physical evidence found on both sites, nor in Skip's vehicle. Now, it's at this point that many members of Skip's family are starting to come forward with uh, warnings, basically, to the police, saying things that they, a lot of them feel that something definitely happened to Teresa and him, uh, that Teresa's body is most likely buried out there somewhere in the woods, which is terrible to think about. But police end up going back to uh, Teresa's legal guardian, Uncle John, where he admits that he's actually only known Skip for about a week, which is truly shocking. 
allowing someone who could definitely be someone's father that you barely know take your child out into the woods? James Welch, whose Skip's nephew, was also interviewed. And he confessed that the first campsite Skip took them to uh, was definitely staged. Again, not shocked. No other information was given as James' uh, involvement, whether he helped stage the site or not. He did provide information where he said that uh, he was also the person that warned Michelle Ryan a year ago not to go with Skip alone in the woods. James also tells investigators that Skip showed him a portion of the woods which has a large stone on it, which Skip called sacrificial rock. Uh, There, again, Bigfoot would worship women. Now, worshiping, in Skip's eyes, also meant sacrificed. And that went to women that needed to be sacrificed on this rock in a certain way. James then claimed Skip knew that he was playing games with police and was leading them with these wild stories to nowhere. When asked if there's any information on where Teresa could be, James reportedly said that she could be located in one of his uncle's mine shafts. And while all this is going on, Skip continues to lie after story after lie. Every time new information comes up, he works it into one of his little stories. A trial is set for September 1987 for the felony child abduction charges that he has, which has a maximum of four years uh, penalty in a state prison. Now, again, authorities have no physical evidence, no crime scene, or no body. So the DA offers a deal. They present a waiver to Skip to plead guilty to the child abduction charges, and they'll only give him one year in prison. However, it forfeits his right to uh, double jeopardy being charged in case they do end up finding uh, Teresa's body, at which point they can charge him for murder. Uh, Skip's public defender, Rube, is his name, rejects the plea bargain. And Skip walks away a free man three days before trial. And a few days after that, authorities dropped all charges relating to Teresa and Beer's disappearance. And one of the biggest tragedies in this whole story, besides allowing that creep to walk free, is that no one in her family pursued any further. They didn't put pressure on the police, which means they didn't have any pressure to come up with any evidence uh, to convict Russell. They would just hope that one day something would turn up which would allow charges to be uh, placed on Russell Welch, uh, but they had none. We are now nearly 35 years later, and the only thing people seem to talk about or remember are the mythical tales and the web of lies spun by that man. His Bigfoot story completely overshadows the fact that that girl is still gone and that no one is looking for her. No one. Not even her own family. Skip never paid the price for the crimes that he committed and has allegedly died years ago. Teresa Beer is still missing. So if you have any information to help solve her case, I please encourage you to call the Fresno Police Department. Their contact information is in the show notes. Their phone number, 559-498-2000.
1265. Gosh, can you believe all that? That girl was put through the ringer her whole life, and then to have just such an unsatisfying ending is truly heartbreaking. But that does conclude our episode tonight. I thank you for joining me, and please join me next time when we delve deeper into the realm of mythical true crime. Thank you very much for listening tonight and being part of the Mythical True Crime community, hosted by me, DJ. Subscribe to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to get your weekly updates. And if you like what you hear, consider subscribing. Subscribing will directly support the show and the work that I'm doing. If you'd like to be a new supporter, consider clicking the link in the description box below. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can help me continue to make great content for listeners everywhere. No commitment, cancel any time. This has been the Mythical True Crime Podcast. My name is DJ. Good night.